Welcome to the Marie Menu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. I hope that wherever you are in the world, whether it's daylight or nighttime, um, winter or spring or summer, wherever you are in the world, that it's a beautiful day for you. I kind of won't talk about Seattle weather today, although it's not raining, so that's always a plus for us in Seattle. It's not doing too bad. I am actually uh, working on four hours of sleep. I don't know if you saw the sports reports from last night, but Uh, the Mariners went into 14 (laughs) innings. I happen to be at the game. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You are cracking me up. So they must have won because they lost? That's why I'm a little more bitter about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I'm not a sports fan. Sorry. I didn't want to bring it up, but if I am a little slow and you need to throw something (laughs) at me today, (laughs) you've done it before. Uh, Actually, I... I I would say as a host, I've never thrown anything at you. Not at me. Yeah, I'm just no. saying in general. <laughs> in general. <laughs> you are so cute. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, dragging a, ha- a little uh-huh. bit, but I'm not too bad. So but did I'll you be have on a, point with Did you. you have a good beer and a hot dog? Because that's my favorite about baseball games. I did it before, and I ended up, went to the game after it started, and uh, I got there a little bit late, but ended up staying worth more than I needed <laughs> to be. And I actually left at the top of 14. It was still wow. going. And I'm like, I got to go. So like, was that midnight? It was getting close to, I think, around 11, 15 or wow. something like that. And I'm like, I'm, I honestly was starting to nod off. Oh, my gosh. There was people all around me. I never sleep, like, not off in public. I'm kind of aware of that. <laughs> I almost was about to. I'm like, I got to go. Well, for those of you who who don't always tune into the show <laughs> and you maybe you haven't listened to Benny before, he's the morning engineer here in the studio. And so, Benny, you get up like at 4 o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah, this one was a couple snoozes away from <laughs> 4.30. So. Yeah, well, we're happier in the studio. You, yes. you look alert to me. I would not have I'm known trying. if you hadn't told me. <laughs> Pinching myself. Yeah, no, congratulations <laughs> on that. I'm so sorry your team lost, but it sounds like you had a blast watching it. We did. It was a good oh, time. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. Um, you can tell me all about it, but I don't really get baseball um, other than the stick in the ball. You know, I just don't really <laughs> hey, that's get the a start, whole thing. right? Yeah, it's like I don't really get it, but that's okay. Uh, so, welcome to the Remanu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meets. We're live here in Seattle. You can also listen to us online at www.energyintuitive.com or. 1150kknw.com. Upper right-hand corner, there's a listen and watch live icon and a button. Just click on that bad boy and away you go. Right. And we do have cameras in the studio. Uh, You know, interesting enough, most of the people I interview, we interview over the phone. So you don't get to see the person that I get to interview. But, of course, you you get to see us in the studio. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What we should do is, like, have uh, Alyssa print up a picture of each of our guests maybe on, like, a little stick. Right. And just put that pop them up somewhere. Is a great you know, or idea. one of those uh what are the the inflatable dolls that no, not those inflatable dolls. The <laughs> other ones. The ones that like you can punch and right? they bounce back and you can put it on there. Oh yeah, that's a good Yeah, then we can set it up on the on the oh. chair. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're not gonna do that, but I think it's a great idea. Okay, I really thanks. do. Appreciate so for today, for. you know, I, I interview people a couple times a month. I mean, we're live here on Thursday mornings at nine AM and then a couple times a month it's just me in the studio. Today I get to interview what I love to 
believe in, of course, I, um, I believe is true, is I interview people who are, stand on the edge of thought, which I think is a very important component when it comes to healing and transforming and moving forward in our lives and allowing our species to evolve into higher realms of consciousness. So today I get to interview a sounds true author, of course, one of my favorite people to author, I mean, to interview, Carla McLaren. She is an award-winning author and pioneer educator whose empathic approach to emotions has taken her through the healing of her own childhood traumas into an empathic healing career, and now into the study of sociology, neurology, and cognitive and social psychology. She is the author of the book we're talking about today, The Language of Emotions, What Your Feelings Are Trying to Tell You, something we talk about on the show all the time. Feel your feelings, heal your life, an important aspect, I believe. Um, Carla has um, taught classes all over the country, um, some interesting places like Kerpala, um, the Associates for um, Humanistic Psychology, additionally as a prison arts educator with the William James Foundation. How exciting. As she utilizes singing, drumming, and drama to help men in maximum security prisons explore and heal long-held emotional traumas. Really amazing. Um, She's also taught, of course, at Omega and at the University of San Francisco. So welcome to the show, Carla. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Yay! And you live in California? Yes, it's a beautiful day. (laughs) (laughs) So I started reading your book, and I really love your book. I've I've read most of it, I would say, and and I I told you before we went live that I, I believe it's a book that people could read for a lifetime. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really amazing, and and like you, I agree that um, our feelings are a gateway to um, really the the freedom in our life and our intuition and the clarity. And and of course, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I I I want our listeners to be able to go out and get your book so that they can begin to open up the doors to their life and their true happiness and joy and their gifts and talents, which is, you know moved through the feelings, through the emotions. Uh, you start the book talking about how you almost didn't, well, I guess you were two weeks late for your deadline of writing your book because your mother passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Those moms, I'm telling Mom. you. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was an amazing time. And, you know, I was thinking when you said that this is a book that people could read for a lifetime, that was her feeling, and she mm. read one of the first versions of it, and she said, sweetie, take out the slang, <laughs> because this needs to be a timeless book. Wow. So thanks, Mom. <laughs> wow. You know, because I tend, to be, I tend to be kind of slangy when I write. You know? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, you have a great approach to the human condition and, you know, humor and, and letting people feel comfortable and their own life is an important way in slang kind of lets that happen, I think, for a lot of individuals. So yeah. so your mother had renal disease, kidney failure, mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And she went into a coma, which is common when mm-hmm. you know people are getting towards their end of stage life. And so you had a caretaker for your mother, I believe, or a neighbor or someone who alerted you to, you know, that she had succumbed to an end of stage mm-hmm. um, symptoms. Yeah, it was very surprising because she was fine the night before, and usually in renal disease, it's, you sort of know it's coming. Wow. You know, people get more and more tired and, and less and less interested in food, and then they slowly slide into a coma. Well, she went into one one night, and she was in the coma for the full weekend and then died on Monday. Wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was very shocking, but we... We quickly learned, you know, what, whatever you think is going to happen um, <laughs> yeah. is usually worse than what happens. Um, 
so yeah, we, we, we learned how to be with her comatose body and then and then she died and it was it was just um wow. Right. It was amazing. But what was interesting for me is I thought that I would be inconsolable, you know, for months on end. And what happened really was that my emotions just brought me right through it. Um, I grieved, I laughed, I was angry, I laughed, I grieved, I was sad. You know, um, I, there, everything, just, just keeping f- focused on what was needed and letting my emotions do what they do um, meant that on Monday after she died, all of us were just, we were just um, happy and and also sad and of course aggrieved and but we had been through a process right so instead of it being about loss which it certainly was it was also about this was this was her time to go and and we did the best we could you know the best we could. <laughs> it's hard to take care of a comatose body. We're like, Mom, I'm sorry. Right, it is. It, it is, absolutely. It, and it's a, it's a fascinating time, too, because in modern medicine, the belief is, and I believe this to be true, is that the sense of hearing is the last sense that leaves the body. And mm-hmm. so to be able to cry and laugh and talk and, and say, Mom, we're turning you over the best we can, sorry, <laughs> you know, is because I, I have, I'm a very... Um, clairvoyant person so I'm having a, a lovely window into some of the experiences you had and 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 you were very nurturing all of you were and compassionate and honest which is which is what your you know your book is just so full of information and, and that's another reason why it's timeless your mother was absolutely correct you know is that when you let yourself be in that flow of your emotions which is what you were doing which was perfect before you finished your deadline for your book how smart are you um, is that uh, is that we become very honest and real Right. And, and that you write that it's normal for us to feel our feelings like it's a normal, healthy, our real feelings, whatever those might be, you know, mm-hmm. but that it's a normal, lovely thing. And that when you're in it, when you're really authentic in your real feeling, whatever that might be, it flows. Yes. And I notice how much time people spend not uh, being ignoring, repressing, suppressing their yeah. actual emotions. And I kind of look and say, you know, you know, that doesn't work, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's not going anywhere good. Um, um, And in, in, this is what what I wish I had learned before while I was writing the language of emotions, but I have since found a wonderful, just a delightful definition for emotion. And Mm. that's by the um, neurologist of emotion. Antonio Damasio. It is that emotions are action requiring neurological programs. Oh, I, I, perfect. How gorgeous. I love, yeah. <laughs> I love him. And so if you try to repress or suppress an emotion, you're actually interfering with a basic neurological process. Absolutely. And your insight, your clarity is like shut down, right? And Yeah, yeah. Um, someone was, I was talking to someone last week. She said, you know, if you know how you feel, then you know who you are. <laughs> I said, oh, that's true. <laughs> you talk in the book how we do this, you know, how we repress them. You know, we're taught at a very early age that, mm-hmm. first of all, if we are empathetic, and you write in your book that everyone is an empath, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everyone has the ability to feel themselves deeply in others and to be guided and to gain clarity and awareness. But we're taught really early on in multiple ways through our 
you know, parental experiences and childhood experiences and school experiences, that it's not always safe to wear your heart on your sleeve, so to speak. <clears throat> no, no. And um, I also noticed as a very intense, um, hyperactive, angry kid that having any kind of feelings other than just sort of this calm, pleasant, you know, baseline state in most places was unacceptable. So the intense emotions that I felt and the intense ways that I expressed them were never welcome. Right. <laughs> you know, I was always on the outside. Wow. And I noticed that, you know, I wasn't the only one. Mm. Um, but that especially, for instance, in preschool or kindergarten or first grade, in many cases, if you act out with any emotion other than happiness or sometimes joy, that you got shamed or mm-hmm. actually sent away from the classroom. So the idea was that here in the classroom, we don't have emotions. You know, if you're going to have an emotion, you need to go outside or you need to go to the principal or the school nurse. So the, the early training that we got was was that emotions were not something that happened in everyday life, mm-hmm. which is, of course, a hundred percent wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that they're not celebrated, you know. No, no. And I'm sure from your work, you know, you've, you've, I mean, I know you have that, you know, when we, when we allow ourselves, if we're a practitioner or a family member or a teacher, you know, if, if we just hold space for someone to be in their emotions, they move through them really quickly. I mean, it's really Really quite amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how fast it is. Wow. And people think, you know, if I cry, if I let down and cry, I'm going to cry for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's what they You know, feel. And five minutes later, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't tea. <laughs> you also write that when we successfully move through an emotion, when we allow ourselves to have that experience, whatever it is, and that all of our emotions are valid, that we come to joy. We come to an authentic place of joy. Mm-hmm. Or contentment or happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that once we move through an emotion, there's something inside us that says, hey, Thank you. And understanding that it's a, an action requiring neurological program, it's probably our brain that says, phew, <laughs> I took a load off. Thank you. You know, and then, then the trick is what, what action do you take? Because, because we have so little really useful information about what to do about emotions that have been pushed into the shadow. Um, a lot of times, we get very confused when an emotion, for instance, like anger comes up. And anger fills you with this sense of power. And um, uh, a lot of people think, well, I have power. Which weapon do I grab? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, whoops, hold on. <clears throat> um, that not understanding what actions emotions require, not understanding why they arose and what their purpose is can lead people off into a pretty unhelpful direction. And this is simply because, you know, we're, we haven't really used our intelligence regarding our emotions and we haven't really explored them. And so when we 
when when they come to us, which sometimes they do come, even when we're not trying really hard, mm-hmm. and, and let's say we're just so stressed and so bombarded that we our defense mechanisms are paralyzed in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, and then we somehow maybe because we feel safe for an instant, you know, or we have some kind connection with someone, and we allow ourselves to be in the emotion for, for some reason, and and then if we if we don't have the intelligence about them or the understanding, then we could make poor choices, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and and we all have, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with anger or yeah. anxiety. Oh, yeah. my word, anxiety is, uh, is something that sends people off on many tangents. Right, right. Um, no, I just love what you just said about the anger. I mean, I think it can help us to understand more deeply about why people commit, commit criminal acts. You know, they're somehow, you know, all of a sudden plunged into some deep emotion and and they have anger, let's say, and then they grab a gun or a knife or, a, mm-hmm. you know, a baseball and do something that is completely out of character for them, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Wow. So so when you're so when you're working with people with their anger, what kind of guidelines do you give them so that they don't grab a bat or <laughs> slam every door in the house, <laughs> which isn't necessarily a bad thing, slamming the doors that might be a. a yeah, the doors are like, please, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's to understand why anger arises, and I call anger the honorable sentry. Mm-hmm. And in my empathic view of emotions, anger's job is to set boundaries around your sense of self, your standpoint, and your mm, your way of being in the world, so that if any of those things are challenged, anger should and must come forward to help you address those challenges. Wow. The problem is, in many cases, people have never learned any sort of practice for anger whatsoever. Um, I remember when I was little, and I joked with my mom about this, but the rule in our house, because I was such an angry kid, was funny, but also listen to it. It was no fighting, no biting, no kicking, no hitting, no punching, no yelling. <laughs> right. Right. So how are you going to get the anger out? Right? Yeah, I know. So and then and then uh, later, you know, later parents learned use your words. Ah. So so if there's no fighting, no biting. Okay, there's a lot of no's. So as soon as <laughs> anger would come up in me, there'd be like no, 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 no. But there was no yes. You know, and there was no what do I do now with all this energy. Right. So the the thing that I notice with anger is you you get filled with a sense of power and you've just been disempowered or challenged and your body, your 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 brain fills you with a sense of power. And so what I say is now is time to reset the boundary. And you can do that with uh violence, certainly. Mm-hmm. We've all said, you know, cut it out, you idiot or something like that, or you can push someone. Or you can take that power and ground yourself, focus, and set a boundary in such a way that you don't break the boundary of others and thereby get their anger started. Wow. And you don't know how they learned to deal with their anger. Right. You know, did, did they have my mom saying, no fighting, no fighting, no kicking, no punching? <laughs> but but the, the thing is to take that power. So what I'm looking at is anger in, in its healthy appearance, its power in yourself, not power over others. Right. Right? Right. So that you can have anger and be an honorable person with it and let people know, excuse me, what, okay, what did you just say? Because what it felt like was that you were challenging my 
cooking skill, <laughs> you know, what, or whatever. And the person can say, well, well, I was, or, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, you know. But otherwise, you know, you can just say, well, you're just an idiot. God, <laughs> I'm never making you anything again. Yeah, because none of us have ever said that, right? Never. <laughs> or wished we had said that, right? Yeah. I think it's more of a thought, but yeah. it, it, it gets stopped. It's held <laughs> yeah. up somewhere, which is probably a smarter move. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Vinny's thinking about uh, his own kitchen, perhaps. <laughs> I just like the challenge approach. Right, the challenge yeah. approach. Your cooking is a challenge against mine. <laughs> Very polite. Very polite, very polite. Well, I'm having the pleasure and the joy, and I know I could talk with you, Carla, for centuries um, on emotions. I, I really could. We're going to take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show, and we'll be right back. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path, but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction, with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath, Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt, to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health and hormones the dvd series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671 wisdom within is a new talk radio show featuring psychic medium and healer lindsey paul and animal intuitive and healer shauna fisher from your lunch break to vacation from your car to your kitchen from despair to newfound awareness. Join this enthusiastic duo as they fearlessly tap into the depths of wisdom and help you soar to new heights by answering your ultimate questions. Get your weekly dose of spirituality with a kick of reality rolled into one hour. Thursdays at 1 p.m. Get out of your head and tune into your soul. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm Fierce I'm Ainsley's mom, and when Alex Scott was just one year older than Ainsley, she set out on a mission to cure childhood cancer by holding a lemonade stand in her front yard. Alex inspired kids from all over the country to hold stands of their own and contribute to finding a cure. Hold a lemonade stand and make a difference. What a great idea! Visit alexslemonade.org to find out how. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books throughout the U.S. in 2013. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. Negativity and fear, two staples of talk radio. Well, we figured we'd try something different. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. Of course, you can listen to us online. And I will be in California coming up 
On April 26th and 27th, I will be in Mountain View at East West Bookshop giving a talk on my book, Intuitive Self-Healing and Spirit Guides, um, because my spirit guides actually yelled at me for a while, uh, years, uh, so that I would write a book. <laughs> Is yelling the appropriate term? Yeah, no. Or are they just a little forceful with yeah, their they, language? They don't yell, but it felt like yelling, oh. you know, but no, they weren't even forceful. They were very sweet and kind. Oh, okay, they good. just said, you're going to be the author of three books. Hello, could you sit down and write? The volume was just probably yeah, turned up was, just a smidge. Well, I think I was, you know. Just, turned down? I was trying to turn it down, and that's why I think it sounded like yelling. And when I've only written one book, so we'll see how accurate that, that whole uh, You're off to a is. great start, I'll be honest, okay? You're and, doing wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. And then on Saturday, um, April 27th, I'll be teaching a class on spirit guides, how to communicate with your spirit guides. Um, and that workshop is also at East West Bookshop in Mountain View. I'm from noon to five. So looking forward to it. And what's coming up in Idaho, the Sun Valley Wellness Festival. And Evan Alexander is the keynote speaker. Um, I'm so looking forward to that keynote address. I think this will be my fifth year at the Wellness Festival. And I will be teaching a Friday workshop kicking off the Wellness Festival from 9.30 a.m. to noon on attuning to the unseen world. So that should be a lot of fun. And then in the evening, if you happen to buy tickets for the keynote, you can go listen to Evan Alexander. He's a neurologist who wrote a beautiful book about his experience with the afterlife. And then today, I'm speaking to people standing on the edge of thought. I have the pleasure of interviewing Carla McLaren and her beautiful book, The Language of Emotions. Welcome back to the show, Carla. Thanks so much. You're welcome. So um, off air, we were talking about anger. And, um, you know, I give people, I'm one of those people that I give exercise. You do too. Your exercises are amazing. And it was funny when I was reading your book, I was looking at the exercise that's for anger because you told me off air. And I was thinking, I probably should do that, but I don't know if I want to. Do you think that's a sign when people don't want to do an exercise? (laughs) It's something they really need to be doing. What do you think? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Right. And so your exercise for anger, could you explain it to the audience, please? Well, one of the things with anger is that because it is so repressed and unwelcome, or in some people it is over overused um, to the extent that everything pisses them off. You know, <laughs> everything makes a sarcastic, you know, comment come out of them or they or they stomp around. Neither is helpful. Neither expressing an emotion repeatedly nor repressing it repeatedly is helpful because it's an action requiring neurological program that there is a there's a flow to emotions where they come up because they are required and our job as the as the friends <clears throat> I call it as the friends and owners and partners of our emotions our job is to create excuse me while I um, uh, clear my throat <clears throat> our job is to take the action that is the, the healthiest one for that emotion so that it can recede and other emotions can come forward. Right, right. You know, whatever emotion needs to happen next. Right. The problem with overexpressing anger is you stay in that emotion for a long time. Right. It's also the problem with repressing it. Right. It, it never gets a chance to do what it needed to do. So I created a silly practice called conscious complaining. And this practice is you just go and you complain to something that isn't a person. <laughs> uh, I, I created it as a solitary practice because almost no human on earth can deal with the amount of complaining I can produce. <laughs> so, this is a this is a civic um, uh, a civic duty, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is a 
a gift to the community. Oh, I love it. This is a solitary practice. And basically, (laughs) but it has um, ritual elements, which are, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. And so do emotions if they're working well. Right. You would move up into the emotion, deal with it, then you would downregulate. So with conscious complaining, you start it by saying, I'm complaining, I'm, you know, you go someplace. You can create a little complaining shrine. I love the shrine idea. And, and, I love shrines. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you wrote in here it can be grumpy cats, greedy politicians, whatever <laughs> spurs you on. You make your little complaining shrine. I mean, I actually see you must have one because I'm seeing one and I don't have one. So, yet. I certainly did. You know, why? There ought to be a law, you know, and then you just start complaining. And what's interesting about it is a lot of people... Um, mis- misidentify anger as a second-hand emotion. And it's not at all a second-hand emotion. In fact, it's a primary emotion. Primary, in, absolutely. In most, in most uh, emotional um, uh, description, uh, describing processes, anger is a primary emotion. Mm-hmm. It's a universal emotion. But what it does is it will jump out in front of emotions, especially emotions that are not safe for you to have right. in, in the social situation. So, for instance, we've all felt like we're going to cry and then we'll just get cranky, you know, and drop down those tears. And then so people misidentify anger as a secondhand emotion when, in Mm -hmm. fact, it's doing its job, Mm -hmm. which is to protect people from challenges to their voice or standpoint or sense of self. So in conscious complaining, you'll come and you'll think, I'm really angry. (laughs) And you'll be like, and this happened and that happened. And then within... It's usually about 30 to 60 seconds you'll get into what's going on. Right. And so anger will be expressed in a safe way, and you won't lose any face, and, you know, you won't hurt people. But you'll be able to move more deeply into what's going on. Not that anger was ever untrue, because you were also angry, but that that moving the anger out and saying, and, and... you know, you'll start out saying, my job sucks, and blah, 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 and then you'll be like, and everyone depends on me for everything, it's just like when I was little. Right. So you get you down know? to your sorrow and your grief. Yeah. 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 And then you'd be like, whoa. And then you have more information, whereas just expressing the anger, you know, like hitting things or, or that sort of thing, keeps you in the anger for, for longer than is necessary. And, of course, repressing it means you're missing out on everything that's trying to happen. But, yeah, finding ways to express emotions uh, in a a healthy way is what I was looking for in the book. Right. No, uh, you did an excellent job, by the way. It's lovely. And I'll be making my shrine this weekend. I just have to figure out where to put it because what I told you off air was, you know, I looked at that and went, oh, I probably should be doing that. I don't want to, but I need to. I'm not a good complainer at all. And um, and and then I thought, well, where am I going to put it? You know, I'm, you know, and I don't want to complain to my furniture, you know, all that empathy. Right. Um, and, and so what you what you've talked about in your book, too, which is fascinating, is that when we can get to these real emotions and flow into them and, and move through them, we become clear. We get, you know, oodles of clarity and consciousness and intuition and awareness so that we can really create a wonderful life for ourselves. Mm-hmm. They're really I, I find they're really the key to everything. And it's funny that we're you know, pretty much steered away from them in almost every aspect of our lives to the extent that people can say to each other, 
um, I'm not going to talk until you stop being emotional. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I stand on the other side and go, which emotion are we talking about, friends? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's like 30 of them. I like which 30. Emotion? <laughs> and that's what you talk about in the book, too, is that you, you categorize you know, a large group of emotions, and you talk about how each and every single one of them is valuable beyond measure. Mm-hmm. And, and that we need to be able to go to all of them, you know, because mm-hmm. we tend to pick a few and then we spend a lot of time in those and that becomes our defense mechanisms, you know, where we don't let, allow. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that that's what you wrote in the book. That's just my perception of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and then and then we can't get to the other ones. We don't successfully move through the one that we're using to block ourselves. right? Yeah. And then we don't get to all the other ones. You even talk about, you know, joy, how being too joyful which was my old defense mechanism. Um, a, g- a great one, by the way. <laughs> Gives you this false illusion of happiness. Um, that, that, you know, having too much joy also stops you from feeling your feelings. Yeah, and the, in, the Tao, uh, in the Tao Te Ching, they call happiness and joy the most dangerous emotion. Wow. And I love that. I wow. love that. Because happiness... The three happinesses, uh, happiness, joy, and contentment, um, they get all the press, Mm -hmm. you know? They get all the presents, all the candies over there. Right. (laughs) And and I love in in the Tao that that they say, you know, joy is a very dangerous emotion. And as it turns out, people who are um, uh, very very up-tempo, very Mm -hmm. positive, very happiness-focused, are not actually in a very good position in terms of their general overall life um, because they have a hard time um, uh, planning for the future. Mm. There are no emotions that tell them, hey, hold hold on here. Hold on for a minute because I'm seeing a problem. (laughs) Um, They have a hard time um, turning away from, you know, delightful things, so their capacity to manage their habit isn't very good. Mm and they tend not to see uh, they tend not to see the downsides of things. Well, and what I also think is they don't get to feel authentic joy. You know, the the real yeah. essence of joy, which is I- incredibly liberating and very present. It's a very present. Real joy is a present experience. And it's, yeah, and then it moves on. Right, it moves on exactly. Yeah. So, so, so having too much happiness means you're in denial, basically, <laughs> and, and you're not. Yeah. yeah. And you're not allowing yourself to have the whole realm of your emotions. You certainly can't get angry if you're always happy. You, you can't be sad, so you can't let your sadness and your sorrow out of your body. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and, and leaning toward happiness. Um, on my website, I, um, I, I taught a course called Emotional Flow Online, and there was a whole bunch of empaths in one place. Of course. And I said, <laughs> Dude, em- empathic crowdsourcing. So... We created a list of words that people use to pretend they're not feeling their emotions. (laughs) And we call them weasel words. And there's some wonder weasels, which are fine. How are you feeling? Fine. Right. Um, Another is stressed. That can stand in for any emotion. And another is unhappy. And unhappy is awesome because what it suggests in that one word is that the, the way you want to be is happy, and everything else is unhappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? you, mm-hmm. you don't say, I'm unsad right now. Right. <laughs> or, um, but, but unhappy is like you can say that, and, and it, will, it will mean something to people. You mm-hmm. don't even have to know what emotion you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
So I'm just, I'm fascinated by the ways that our language helps us hide from emotional awareness. What I find fascinating about empathic people, which you say we all are, mm-hmm. and which I find um, so interesting, I mean, I agree with you, I just feel very few people are into their empathy, which you write about in the book, that very few people allow themselves to be in that empathic place. And so Mm -hmm. most people are incredibly shut down. And then empaths who are aware of empathy, most of them are so over inundated with the emotions of others Mm -hmm. that they have no awareness or no clue of their own feelings. And, And so they're disconnected from their emotions as well. Yeah. You know, so, so there's either like a, a big contraction in the heart ch- chakra where people aren't feeling feelings at all, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or this huge expansion in their empathy, but still this detachment from their own emotions, which is a, a deeper, I feel, a deeper energetic place um, separate from the heart chakra um, where we have our own feelings, which are very unique to ourselves, you know, biochemically, yeah. bioemotionally, bio-whatever. They're, mm-hmm. they're very, very unique, and, and they usually have nothing to do with anyone else either. You know, they're, they're just something that's a part of us. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the big trick for an empath is learning to understand themselves first. Um, I'm, there, I haven't, I, I'm just working on the, the final edit of a book that's coming out in October mm-hmm. um, called The Art of Empathy, mm-hmm. and it's about how to balance Empathy is a empathy is a is a normal everyday skill that we all use in every moment, but we haven't learned to see it as that. Right. And our understanding of empathy is very very um, poor. Um, so I, I I wrote a book about it, <laughs> <laughs> and and really dove into the both the research and you know my almost fifty years of being an empath. Um, <laughs> To, to help people articulate and understand the processes that are involved in skilled empathy and also unskilled empathy. Yeah. Um, you, you talk in the book about um, about this one, and I'm so sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Just be, oh, no. We don't have tons of time, and we have callers, too. Okay. Um, that in, this, in the story, you, you actually talk about your own childhood trauma, mm-hmm. one of them anyway, where you were molested as a mm-hmm. child. And um, it, unfortunately, it was a neighbor across the street, you know, so close location. And with your empathy, your empathic ability, you could even feel when younger children than yourself, and you were quite young when this happened, were going to be at risk. And sometimes you would allow yourself to be put in the, in the flow of danger versus, put, you know, allowing them to be in the flow of danger. And that's something that empaths do, you know, in terms of guarding the emotions of others and the safekeeping of others. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, and and I, I've been I've been really thinking about this. How empathic mm-hmm. was I before before the molestations happened? Mm-hmm. And I think my mom's quite an empath, but you know, after after that kind of trauma, the whole family becomes hypersensitive. You know, right? <clears throat> Their babies were hurt, and right. yeah, um, I've really been thinking about this a lot. That that certainly I had to turn up my empathy, you know, to to 11 in order to understand my molester and his needs and how to keep him from being too dangerous. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I didn't know how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't really understand how I turned it on, and so I didn't know how to turn it off. That was a lot of what was going on in my hyperactivity and my extreme emotional behaviors in childhood, is I was on fire with the emotions of others. Right. And 
couldn't, I was too young. I was two or three when it started. Mm -hmm. And I was too young to figure out what was going on. It wasn't, you know, an adult sense of, hey, that's your emotion and this is me as a person. That didn't happen for me. (laughs) So learning to become a self was was a huge part of my journey as a person and how to how to separate myself from the just horrendous training I got mm-hmm. um, as in terms of what it was to be a person, what it was to be a female, what it was to be a sexual being. Right. That, oh, that was all bad. <laughs> that was not good. Well, you know, you got your Ph.D. training in <laughs> early PhD. childhood. Right. Yeah, how not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, and so the skills in the language of emotions are skills that I developed in order to become uh, undissociated because I was right. extremely dissociated. Mm-hmm. Um, more um, emotionally aware, empathically safe, and capable of moving onward from, you know, truly egregious early training. Wow. And so the skills in... In, in the book have been tested. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're, and they're excellent. They're absolutely excellent because, um, you know, I really believe that disease and, you know, unhappy jobs and healthy relationships, all of it is about not feeling our emotions and not having enough money. Uh, all of it is, is related. So um, I, I think your book is excellent. And yeah, and that's what I meant by you getting your PhD. You know, you learned your compassion and you, you learned how to um, create and manifest all the things you needed to do so you can help all of us um, learn to make better lives for ourselves. Um, we're going to take a break here right now on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing um, Carla McLaren, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. I'm Dominique Dawes, and there's a big advantage parents can give their kids. Making sure they get active at least 60 minutes each day. Studies show that physical activity not only helps kids stay healthy, it can enhance important skills like concentration and problem solving, which can improve academic performance. Help your kids in the most important game of all, life. Learn more at fitness.gov. Brought to you by HHS. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We bring a unique talk radio blend your way every Friday and Saturday on 1150 KKNW. From pop culture to the paranormal, you get variety in a conversational style. Whether it's UFOs or ESP, angels or the afterlife, Bigfoot or your big dreams, everything is fair game on our show. Join the A-Team of Alternative Talk Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on the station that leads the pack without following the herd. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Marie is delighted to announce that she will be teaching two interactive workshops at both Hollyhock locations this year. First up is her intuitive health workshop at the beautiful Cortez Island in British Columbia, June 14th through the 19th. This tranquil setting is the perfect backdrop to invigorate your self-healing skills with intuition. November 8th 
through the 10th, Marie will be back at Hollyhock, Vancouver, BC location to teach a two and a half day workshop on connecting to guidance. Learn how to open the channels of communication with your guides and tap into vast resources of wisdom. Don't forget to register online at hollyhock.ca. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Got it? Cool. Welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. You can also listen to us live on the web at energyintuitive.com and 1150kknw.com. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I need a, I should just be holding a baseball, right? <laughs> I told you, I'm a little bit out of it well, right you're really now. not. You're so alert. You keep actually waving me like, hello, are we taking a break? That was before this no, time. No, <laughs> you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> Absolutely. You. But now I know how to get your attention. I just need to have baseballs or any sporting not that I equipment I, around. Yeah. I mean, I never really have to work on getting Benny's attention ever. Actually, you're very present sharp. and sharp yeah. and fun and funny and just wonderful for I the show. That. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, ooh, if I if I, I just need to have I need to bring a soccer ball in, baseball, football. I don't it could know. Could be like what. a nerf, so a at least nerf? it won't make too much noise when okay, it then we can I just throw it hits me. at each other for fun. Right. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm <laughs> you can see us play around on the webcam. <laughs> I'm sure people will be excited yeah. about that, right? That'll be lots of fun. Today I'm interviewing Carla McLaren. She's the author of The Language of Emotions, a, a timeless book. Your mother was absolutely correct um, on, on language, you know, ways that we can get into our anger, our fear, our sorrow. Um, towards the back of the book, you break down certain um, emotions. You talk about um, their gifts, like fear. Um, has a lot to do with intuition, which I can certainly understand. And you talk about how people who can stand in like the middle of trauma um, or challenges and be calm, <laughs> that fear is one of their emotions, right? Or mm-hmm. strong, one of their gifts of that emotion for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fear is a, a, a beautiful emotion that most people don't understand. <laughs> right. That um, I look at emotions as having different. Uh, levels of intensity. And there's the level that most of us can identify an emotion, which is a mood. Um, And then, of course, when emotion gets very intense, everybody knows what it is. But there's also (laughs) a very soft uh, kind of um, light state of every emotion that is where the gifts and skills come from, such that when people are running the emotion at that light state, other people might not even know that that emotion is present. Mm -hmm. Empaths do. But people who haven't really sort of tuned into that might not know that what's happening is emotional in in its formation. So what I look at fear is the emotion that helps us orient to change, novelty, or possible hazard. Mm. And that's physical. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it just sort of perks you up. There's that little sort of curiosity, a very soft kind of, what is that? Mm-hmm. What did I just, what, did, what was that that I just saw? And that's fear. Now, if there is something that's actual hazard, you know, if something rolls by your field of view and, you know, your fear will say, look at that, right. and you turn down, if it's a ball, you'll go, <laughs> whatever. And if it's a rat, <laughs> right. depending on how you feel about rats, I might go, rat, what are you doing? And pick him up and, you know. Oh, my gosh. Back I'll cage. jump on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> but for some people, it, that might be, they would be like, no, and they would jump on the couch. Now, all of it was fear. 
But the only time that many people will identify fear is when the person jumps on the couch. Right. Right. But it was fear as soon as the ball rolled and you oriented to it. So fear is intuition mm-hmm. and instinct. Mm. But people don't look at it that way. They, you know, fear is, is one of the most hated emotions, although all of the emotions would say, wait a minute, I thought I was the most hated. <laughs> no, that was me. <laughs> Jealousy and envy are like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, because people don't like to admit to that one. <laughs> what about shame? Shame says, I win. <laughs> but you know, notice that people um, have lots of don't words around fear. There's mm-hmm. nothing to be afraid of. Don't be such a it's, coward, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. There's even a, a bumper sticker that says no fear. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see somebody with that bumper sticker, I like I use my turn signals and get away from them <laughs> because I'm like, if you don't have fear, you don't have instincts and intuition. You're not a safe driver. Right? So really, it's about embracing all of these emotions, you know, so yeah. per- perhaps people who are comfortable in their intuition are comfortable in the fear and don't see it as dangerous, but as powerful. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it, there's a calmness just, and in learning, it. Learning each of these emotions at their really soft presentation so that you can work with them. And for some people, it's to learn how to downregulate to that soft place. To the soft so place. So if, if, if anger always ramps up to uh-huh. rage, uh-huh. Well, let's downregulate it. Stay in <laughs> anger. You know, stay in anger, but let's move it to a place where you can work with it more easily. Wow. Okay, that's for all of the road rage people, you know, who are chasing others off the freeway (laughs) before you get in your car. um, Downgrade that anger. We're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. Who do we have? Yeah, and you ladies touched briefly on shame, and actually Victoria is calling in from San Diego. She had a great question about that, so let's uh, bring her on. Victoria, welcome to the Marie Manion Cherry Show. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. So, can you hear me? Absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, so my question pertains to my personal personal experience having grown up in a house that kind of was clouded and tainted by shame. And I don't even know how to articulate it specifically, but it was a feeling of shame and fear of being judged. And I think that my parents' emotional needs came first before the children's. And so my question to both of you is how do I... You know, because now I'm 47 years old, so it's been, you know, years since I've been a child. But it kind of follows me throughout my life in terms of allowing me or not allowing me to be able to express fully who I am without feeling kind of a sense of guilt, I guess. And so I feel stuck in that way. And I don't know how to extricate myself from that overall sense of of shame, if if I'm being clear. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So... That's my question. Um, well, I just wrote on my website yesterday a piece on shame. Uh, it's CarlaMcLaren.com if you want to go take a look at it. But I see shame as just an exquisite, magnificent, wonderful, delightful emotion that most people use in a horrendous way, just horrendous. And when I see people shaming others, I sort of want to say, give me that emotion. Give me that emotion right now because you're misusing it. Oh, my word. You're so cute. I love it. You put that shame down. Um, But what what you're dealing with is shame that is uh, what I call inauthentic and applied. That when shame is healthy, it it helps you as, as an individual 
live up to a moral code that you have decided on, that you agree with, and that comes from within you. And shame, so for instance, in the healthy shame movement, you will go toward, you know, the 10th cookie, and your shame will say, really? Really, Victoria? And you'll go, yeah, I was just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was just kidding. (laughs) And you and your shame will just be pals. But when shame comes from outside, when it comes from parents who do a lot of shaming or any authority figure who does a lot of shaming, you should be ashamed of yourself. Don't talk to me that way. Don't look at me that way, little, you know, little miss. Um, What that does is it places shame that is inauthentic and and foreign onto the psyche of the little person. So that person is going to go toward the cookies and and she'll hear not from her own shame, you know, really, Victoria, really, do you want that? And you'll say no. But you'll hear, you little pig, who are you to think, do you know what I mean? The, the shaming messages will be awful. And so you'll have a choice whether to be abused in your own psyche or to turn around and say, I'll do what I want, right? <laughs> so it gets in this really weird thing where you're actually fighting with shame that doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. It's not yours. But what I'm looking at with shame is because it's about honor and morals, sometimes turning, uh, holding on to the shame of the parent is an honoring of the parent. Wow. There is some genius in there. And so it's to, to turn toward the parent and honor them in a different way, right? Be a good child in a different way. There's a skill called burning contracts in my book, and it is the skill that I used to get rid of all the horrible messages I picked up in being molested. And it's an, it's an amazing thing to use for a, inappropriate and applied and inauthentic shame. And it can help free up your real and your lovely and your momentary and your, and your friendly shame to help you ma- maintain your, your behavior in a way that makes sense to you today in this real world. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, actually. Thank wow. you. That was absolutely gorgeous. Loved it. And and I know you're going to do that exercise. <laughs> well, she. I can tell she will. She's going. It's she's, on the website. There's a link to that right. in the shame post, and it's so in your it's book there. as well. Yeah, in the book too. Of language of emotions, and you're writing a, another book, the art of empathy, to help people mm-hmm. be in their empathic abilities. Right. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing right now. Yeah. Which is fantastic, and that comes out in October. Also, sounds true. Yes, and right. that'll be a book and an audio learning program. Lovely. And you're also, right now, I don't know how you're doing all this, but you're in school working on your master's degree on education so that you can start to bring in all of this information and language into our schools. That's my hope. Yeah, I'm sure that's you're going to use it hope. for many things, but I know that's one of your goals. And that is fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. And, and unfortunately, because um, our time is practically up, believe it or not, I mean, that's how much fun we've been having here on the show and how amazing your work is and how beautiful and I know how helpful it will be for people so that they can get into their intuition and their awareness and their clarity. You know, when I look at shame, um, I think there's a lot of creative energy underneath it, quite, quite a bit of creativity. And so when people can, like what you said, laugh at themselves, you know, not belittle or hear the voice of someone who's shamed them in their head, mm-hmm. when, when they can you know, be silly with themselves about it or relaxed about it. And and then the creativity just starts to flow, um, amazingly so. 
So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that for our caller. And thank you so much. I hope you'll come back on the show. I would love to have you again. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you. Have a beautiful day in your part of the world in California and everyone else. And again, the language of the emotions, Carla McLaren, thank you so much for coming on the show. 